0: you Let it be in church. Uh, I've got a couple things I want to promote. And it has been a few weeks since I preached, so it's fun. Has it been a few weeks? Seems like it. Um, I've got a, a couple things I want to promote. Um, one is, I picked up this book, and I've got five copies of it. Some of you might want it. Uh, I was reading this uh, promo on this book this week. James Garlow is the author, and he's the pastor at Wesleyan um, Methodist in San Diego. By the way, this is the church that John Maxwell pastored years ago. So, kind of a cool thing. Uh, but uh, I just I read through some preliminary things on this book, and I thought oh, that is so cool. Uh, Frank grabbed it this morning; couldn't put it down. Uh, Here's what he says. He says, uh, "'By way of background, I've followed every national convention, Republican and Democrat, from the time that I was age nine. I've attended most of the GOP conventions from 84 to the present. I've watched the news virtually every day from the age of eight years old, and I've never seen anything like we're currently observing in the political landscape.'" In spite of the unprecedented nature of this election cycle, I will attempt to respond uh, to questions about platform, about candidates, about the future, about the church, about the government, about where to go. Uh, and uh, so this is, this is kind of that book, uh, Biblical Answers to Today's Tough Issues, uh, called Well-Versed And uh, this is the guy that, by the way, some cool things, like I think in 64, President Johnson said that if churches are going to have a 501c3 nonprofit exemption, then uh, churches should not have any influence politically in the nation. And so Christians and churches all said, okay, that sounds cool. Nah. So... uh, So we gave up our lobby power. Uh, Essentially, uh, we we gave up our lobby power Uh, with our own congregations. We can't tell our own congregations what we think politically a church can't. Uh, So that's interesting. Uh, uh, Some pastors have gotten around that by saying, yeah, well, this is my personal opinion. So that's nice. Uh, So we know that some churches… Uh, haven't played by that rule anyway, but some have uh, gone outside the lines. They've colored outside the lines and, and lost their 501c3. So, um, he's one of those guys that's been trying to get that reversed. He's done a lot of cool things. I've got five copies if you want it, um, a copy of it. And they're $10. So, if you want a copy of that, see Mrs. Wolf afterwards, uh, which, which, here's $10 right here. Lisa's got one. So, which leads me into, because we're, we're coming upon the election moment, and so that leads me into uh, next week's guest. You don't want to miss next week's guest. I hope that she'll come. Uh, I've asked Joe Featon to come. Joe was my pastor when I was in Bible college, and he pastored Cedar Park Assembly for about 35 years. And under which his leadership, that church and that ministry grew to be one of the most influential uh, ministries in the state. And they operate the largest private school in the state of Washington. They operate a funeral home, a cemetery, a daycare, a licensed counseling agency in several locations. But Joe graduated with a political science degree from college, and he always pursued involvement. Uh, in state government, and uh, he's been one of those pastors that's always been leading the church with involvement in the state. So I, I want to encourage you to come. He's going to be our guest uh, next week to talk a little bit about uh, where we're at, where we're going, uh, a believer's perspective on the future, all of that. I know you'll enjoy it. Uh, and uh, this is, he just, he just, Packing so much wisdom that I know it'll bless your heart. Okay? Amen? So that's a couple of announcements uh, for uh, today as we get into the message. See if I can find the sermon in the midst of all of my foldy wrong. Hallelujah. Amen. I want to talk to you a little bit about we we kind of set today as kind of a setup to Joe coming and a bit of a setup to the election. I want to talk to you a little bit about uh, uh, how I feel like as believers we should be moving the nation forward and what we should be doing. And uh, for me, for me and kind of the conviction that the Holy Spirit often and always seems to stir me with, and it's, I believe, the foundation of change and somewhat based on, you know, so many scriptures that we have, Ephesians 6, uh, 10 through 18 being one of those that we don't wrestle with flesh and blood, but our wrestling is with spiritual influence, spiritual power, uh, wickedness in Authority and in high realms that are involved, engaging in human affairs. So that's kind of the essence of Ephesians chapter six. So we know from so many scriptures, Hebrews chapter one, Hebrews chapter eleven. These are these are scriptures. Hebrews chapter one, uh, uh, Hebrews chapter eleven says that that by faith God spoke the worlds into existence. Yeah? And so, we understand that it's there's a spirit realm, and that spirit realm is affecting every realm, and that really the tangibilities around us are the manifestation of things that are happening in the spirit realm. Hebrews chapter 1 says that God not only created and spoke these things to existence, but he holds them in their orbit, so to speak, with the power of his word. And so we know that there's an essence, there is something going on in the spirit realm. Uh, we believe this, we have this, this sense, and then we have this assurance out of the word that there's something happening in the spirit realm That that is affecting all things. And so, that gives me a lot of hope because then when I look at circumstances, I'm like, okay, well, we can do something about this. We can do something about this. We can do something about uh, any kind of trouble. And I, 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 I know that as we're provoked to see, to examine, to note that there's trouble in our own lives or on the horizon or in our nation, when we note that there's trouble, then if we understand, see, and believe that there are ways to change that trouble by engaging the spirit realm, and how many of you have done that, by the way? Has anybody done that? Come on, look around the room a little bit. Uh, with hands up, anybody know that you've seen some things shift in your life, in your family, in your marriage, in something personal because of you engaging the spirit realm? Yes. Okay. So there's a bunch of us here. So so we're kind of preaching to the choir. But I want to I want to provoke you in some ways that I believe that this should become a more aggressive expression for us. I really, truly believe that, that there, are, there are right now many examples of crazy, crazy, what you would say kingdom shift events happening and kingdom influence events happening because of people pressing into this that we know more aggressively. Instead of, instead of giving way to hopelessness, giving way to despair, uh, being discouraged, rewriting their theology, uh, lapsing into pessimism uh, or discouragement that, that, that literally takes you out, there are, there are examples, even present examples, of people engaging. And I, w- I want to read something to you in a moment, but people engaging in the spirit realm, more fervently and seeing a greater result. And I really believe I, I, I love uh, all of the wondrous privileges we have in America. I love the conveniences, the privileges. I, 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 I enjoy the Seahawks. Probably watch a bunch of that today. Hallelujah. Uh, I, I, I like food. Food is good. I'll probably partake of some delicious food today. Uh, I'll probably choose to drive a car today to get around instead of walk. If I could have driven to the platform, that would have been fine. There you go. i got a witness over here. So, But I really believe that in terms of aggressiveness, I really believe that, that the more we'll press aggressively into this solution, this answer that we have... By engaging in the spirit realm, the more we'll see the manifestation of the breakthrough. There's, there's places. My favorite, uh, and we, we got to go there on our way home. Uh, we got to go to Seoul, Korea. We did a layover in Seoul, Korea. I was hoping we'd go, get to go to Yoido Full Gospel Church. Uh, out on the island where they built that new building in 1973 where they have, you know, they have the original uh, sanctuary that seats 12,000. Then they have a seven-story building uh, that seats 11,000 on each floor where they videocast. And this is the largest church in the world. And it's a church built around prayer. It's a church built around prayer engaging in the spirit realm. It's a church built around prayer. Yes, they have uh, cell groups, and they have, uh, you know, they have 353 lay pastors, and they have, have, you know, several hundred full-time staff members, and they've got all these things going on, but the beginning of all of that, it was birthed out of prayer in the 50s as they came out of that war environment, as their nation was torn up, and as... Really, the whole cultural landscape spiritually was still Buddhism. As people begin to come to the Lord, Younghee Cho being one of those, Jocelyn Choi, his mother-in-law, another one of those, and the moving forward of the church, the growth of the church, and the the salvation and the increase. Uh, and the kingdom shift in South Korea has become it 's come through a very vigilant praying people who were willing maybe to trade in uh, some some entertainment for prayer who were willing to trade in some convenience so as the nation grew and as the nation has grown with regard to convenience and ease and money and and entertainment there's still millions of people who are trading in some of that for prayer and i'm just saying that i think that that there's something here for us to catch that that every every minute every every quarter hour every 30 minutes, every 60 minutes that you trade in for prayer is powerful. It is effectual. It will move mountains. The fervent prayer of a righteous person availeth much. The fervent prayer, the word fervent there in the King James, it means white hot boiling. Most Americans don't pray that way. Most, most church Christians in America don't pray that way. Most church Christians in America pray a lot of lay-me-down-to-sleep prayers, a lot of mealy-mouth prayers, a lot of wimpy prayers, a lot of if-it-be-thy-will prayers, and that's why we're not seeing mountains move and things shift at a deeper level. We want policy to change in Washington. We want policy to change in the state of Washington. We want policy to change in our nation. God's about redeeming nations. He says, go and disciple the nations. Start in this city, Jerusalem, and then go to Judea, and you're going to disciple all of the nations. God's still about that. The the increase of his government of peace is still... It's still His will. It's still on His agenda. It's to no no end, and it will be expressed through the believer. It's going to happen through the believer. So this is, this is not a time for us to say, well, you know, maybe we should move to Canada. Well, you know, maybe we should get a, you know, I don't know, I'm looking for a container that I can just plug into the side of a mountain in northern Idaho and get some jugs of water and, you know, live you know, with some cornmeal stuff in a bag back there somewhere, and, you know, because I believe the nukes are coming. And this is no time for us to retreat. This is no time for us to be preppers or weirdos. This is a time for us to be advancing, to be strong, to be courageous. And to be engaging, if God has shifted that whole nation of Korea, and we got to be there for about eight hours, and I was talking to the tour guide. We went on a tour down into Seoul, and we went to the palace, and you know, we were talking to them about you know Christianity and Buddhism, and you know, she was talking about how Christianity's really grown here, you know, and you know, there's there's 20, 20, the twenty largest churches in the world. I don't know how big they are, but but. The full gospel center there in Seoul that I'm talking about is uh, between 750,000 and a million. But they've also planted a myriad of churches because they couldn't do it all, so they just started selling satellites everywhere. But but of the 20 largest churches in the world, five of them are in South Korea. Five of them. Got to do math better, don't I? Five of them are in South Korea. Not wild. I want to read to you something that's been happening in Hawaii, um, which which was really cool to discover this because every time we go over there, I say to Joel, this is a spiritual place. This is a spiritual place. This, there's something going on here. It's a spiritual place. I don't know what it is, but my heart gets all happy and tickled when I go to Hawaii. <laughs> Hawaii. Hawaii, one of the most alluring and hospitable American states, has scored a a, a number of negative firsts. The first abortion clinic opened in Honolulu in in the 1970s. A strong liberal lobby in Hawaii is relentlessly pushing for the islands to be at least the second state to approve for assisted suicide. Things begin to change, though, on December 7, 2004, when the Lieutenant Governor James Duke... Anoia led 6,000 believers in a corporate invocation inviting Jesus publicly and officially since on that day he was the acting governor to come into the state and make it God's Hawaii. So while he was serving as the governor, he led 6,000 believers in a corporate prayer, a prayer gathering. This solemn act was the climax of a canopy of prayer that had been raised over the islands that day and the culmination of a prayer walk of 77 campuses across the state, school campuses that had gathered to have a prayer walk to declare Hawaii God's state. What took place is no different than what we read in Second Chronicles 7.14, that is, if my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways. I will hear their prayer, I will forgive their sins, and I will heal their land. In Hawaii, that prayer exercise reflected the new understanding about the need to disciple nations and the right to reclaim the the marketplace for the kingdom of God. And in this place, it started and moved through the educational system, one of the seven mountains. Anyone familiar with the acidic American constitutional debate on the separation of church and state know that participating in such, this, such an overt public exercise as what was done is tantamount to political suicide. However, this was not about the institutional church and state. It was all about God and the problems of the state of Hawaii, Hence, the dramatic and extraordinary changes that began to take place shortly after these prayer gatherings made believers of many unbelievers to the point that even now the secular media began to report good news about what was happening. Following the raising of this canopy of prayer, crime and disciplinary referrals in these 77 school campuses decreased dramatically, and it's been chronicled as such. In some schools, grade point averages and graduation rates reached record highs. In another school, teen pregnancy dropped significantly. Best of all, in many schools, campuses, drug dealers who used to operate with impunity due to the complicity of complicity of the students, were exposed and arrested, all of this after this prayer canopy. All of this constituted clear validation that the kingdom of God was beginning to take new ground where evil had been systematically entrenched, Churches began to adopt these schools and took offerings to begin to purchase much-needed equipment and or to pay for repairs and or to get involved. Believers began to volunteer as athletic coaches, spiritual advisors, campus counselors, and prayer became common at sporting events and the, the activities of the school, even at faculty meetings. Once prayer became a normal activity on these 77 campuses, students regularly made it a practice to hold hands in small circles and publicly pray for the principal, the teachers, or fellow students. Soon afterwards, reports of the miraculous answers to those prayers fueled greater interest in God's presence on school campuses, and many students and administrators experienced life-changing encounters with Jesus." In the context of the prayer exercise of December 2004, a group of 25 players from across the island issued an invitation, and then a month later, 134 kingdom-minded people came together to hear, to share reports, to ho- uh, hopes and dreams for the future. This led to a spontaneous gathering of over 900 transformation-hungry Christians in February of 05, which turned into a a gathering of 2500 believers who made it their goal to revolutionize their businesses Isn't this cool? The following week after that gathering, scores of transformational groups were launched Many of them happening during lunch breaks in hospitals, on ranches, at waterfront stores, banks, car dealerships, and attorney offices, schools, and hotels. Prayer began to be offered all over in the marketplace for Hawaii to become God's Hawaii, just as that lieutenant governor had prayed the previous December. The results became evident right away. The ancient, bitter animosity between Republicans and Democrats took a direct hit. Subsequently, spirituality in politics became more prevalent even among legislators and government workers. At least 50 people have joined a newly established prayer meeting in the state building. The political climate improved so much that both parties rated the 2006 legislative session as the best ever and closed it by singing Amazing Grace in its Chambers." There's more. I could go on and on with this, and I know it's ten years old and I don't I haven't checked up on the kind of the newest breakout on some of this, but I wanted to tell you that things can shift. I wanted to tell you that things can shift and and it would it, it behooves us to begin to shift our own world as believers who want a shift to devote more time to prayer. Fervent prayer, the fervent prayer. The fervent prayer of a righteous person, this is James chapter 5, 14 through 16, the fervent prayer of a righteous person is powerful and effective. Your prayers, be they fervent, be they out of faith, be they as you envision what God desires, as you see what God desires, as you have an understanding of how He wants to increase kingdom influence, in government, in every realm of society, as you begin to declare that, as you begin to decree that, as you begin to proclaim that, as you begin to pray, as you take time to pray, pray, this is the most powerful thing that we can do. Do you believe that? I want to encourage you that we have a different paradigm than the Old Testament. Uh, And the pictures of the paradigm of prayer, even many of those pictures in the Old Testament are not necessarily our paradigm. The people in the Old Testament, by and far, and as a general rule, did not function as friends of God, ministers of the Lord, as prophets, as kings and priests in the earth. The people in the Old Testament, in by and far, did not have that role. They had not been joined to the Trinity. They weren't ruling from above. You and I live from above, rule from above. We, we are ambassadors from above. We have a different paradigm than those in the Old Testament, but yet many times we shift back and we bring our modern religion paradigm and even our prayer paradigm out of that Old Testament slave and servant mindset instead of bringing it out of the New Testament paradigm of one with Jesus seated already in heavenly places. Yes? Yes? We are, we are in prayer, now think about this, we are in prayer, the spokesman, the spokespeople of a victorious ruler, a victorious redeemer, a high priest who represents us, but represents all. He has redemption for all in mind. Let me say it again, he has redemption for all in mind. He's a high priest who is the center of restoration. He wants to restore the earth, by the way. He has all authority. He's been given all authority. This is Matthew 28, 18 and 19, right? He defeats the enemy. He comes out of the grave. He announces to the disciples, all authority has been given to me. Now, what I want you to focus on today, and as we think about this a little bit, this is not to diminish or to denounce or to harm his divinity, but what we have to understand is the one who represents us before the Father is representing us as a man. "'The one who's been given all authority is a man, "'Jesus, the supreme man.'" Fact is, when we were in the office this week and we were with the guys there, we were just talking, I said, You gotta hear this out of Daniel chapter seven. So I read this out of Daniel chapter seven, you know, where where it says that I was, you know, I saw the ancient of days, and then I saw one like the son of man ascending in the clouds, coming up before the ancient of days. This is Daniel chapter seven. You want to write it down, read it on your own, you need to, because it'll revolutionize your, uh, your theology. And so one like the ancient of the ancient of days, and one like the son of of man was ascending in the clouds before him, and a kingdom was given him, and a people that were given him out of every nation, out of every tribe, out of every tongue, and all would serve him. And it baffled Daniel. You know, when he, when he was done with this, he was like, whoa. You know, he came out of it, and he's like, whoa, you know, I was weary in my spirit. And he's trying to figure out, who is this son of man? Jesus, a man, has ascended to the father to represent us and jesus the man has become victorious over satan and this is interesting out of out of psalm 115 and this is just stuff that the holy spirit's been just downloading more and more to me and just making it so more and more real to me out of psalm 115 we're told that the earth has been given to the sons of men we know that we know that when adam fell that that empowered Satan to be the Lord over mankind. He became the prince and the power of the air. That's what gave him his power. He was here in a fallen state, but now he has power over man through Adam bending his knee to Satan. But but it was Adam. It was it was us. We were given the earth. Psalm one fifteen. We were, are we showing that scripture up there? It's in your notes, Jimmy. Psalm one fifteen when I say a scripture, throw it up. Don't even wait. Glory to God. Probably 16. I don't know. He has the verse. He can find it. It's coming. It's coming. Psalm 115. I don't know. If I have to pause and find it, then I have to scout through my notes. It could just, it could be a bad day. I don't know. It's here. Okay. Are you with me? So you have to get to, I want you to get this picture, though. So God gives the earth to men. Men mess up. So Jesus comes as the redeeming man. This is why in Philippians 2 it says he stripped himself of divine prerogatives and power that he would live as a man. He triumphs over Satan as a man. He ascends to represent us. When he gets into glory as a man, God puts on him every blessing he's ever wanted for man. He puts on him the original blessing, the original fulfillment, the original grace that he put on Adam in the garden. He puts it on Jesus. So when we are in Jesus, we are in the perfect man who is now the Lord over the entire earth. Why is he the Lord over the entire earth? Because of his divinity? No, because of his perfect manhood. Because the earth has been given to the sons of men. Did we find it? (gasps) Hallelujah. It's my birthday. The earth has been given to the sons of men. Yes? Yes? And who is the Son of Man? Who is the Supreme Son of Man? Jesus. So therefore, we become spokesmen of His authority. We become those who represent Him. When you are praying, when, you, when you're praying, you have to see, that, and, and you have to catch this and capture this, this. Let Jesus pray through you. Let Jesus make decrees through you. Let Jesus judge darkness through you. You shall drive out demons. Who? What? You? You can't drive out demons. Jesus, through you, drives out demons. We have to be careful. We want, we want to pick on p- people. Well, I don't like Trump. Well, I don't like Hillary. Well, I don't like either one of them. Ah. You know, whatever. You know. So, and I'm. You know, you think about. You can think about relatives right now. You don't like, can't you? Uh, hallelujah. It's not about people. What has to happen is we have to begin to confront things in the spirit realm. See, it's out of the root that comes the fruit. We're tackling the fruit all the time. We're up here working on trees and limbs, but you've got to change the root. Something's got to happen at a deeper level. That's the spirit level where it's got to happen. And that happens as we begin to exercise our authority as the spokespeople of the supreme man who has been given lordship over the earth and been given... An assignment. Sit here until through your people I put all of your enemies under your feet. How is it going to happen? If faith is the substance of things not seen, then prayer is the transportation system of faith. If we don't have a prayer life, then we can't transport what we believe for into the present realm. We have to have a prayer life. Christians have to have a prayer life. Jesus walks into the house of God. He sees all this stuff going on, but then he says, Hold it, hold it, hold it. One thing you have to know, my house will be called a house of prayer for all the nations. Now, we can say that about a sheetrock building with metal on it, and we can say, Yeah, the house of house. But now we got to say, Hold it. My house. Who is the house of God? you should be called a house of prayer for all the nations. If you are not known as a house of prayer for all the nations, then he is rebuking you right now. It's time to come up a level. It's time to shift. It's time to get off of the entertainment center, shut down the game system, get off of the Xbox, shut off a couple football games now. Why do you know more about sports than you know about the Bible, it's time for you to shut down a couple things and trade some of that in for a little business in the spirit realm so that we can begin to move forward and think, see things shift. So instead of whining and complaining and saying the Antichrist is coming, we get busy on our knees and in our faces before God and things begin to shift and all at once. Whoa. Hello, somebody. Jesus Jesus is the Lord over the earth. He is the last Adam. We have to have that picture that we are representing Him. We are representing Him. Psalm 149 gives us a picture of this. Let the godly ones exult in glory. Let them sing for joy on their beds. Let the high praises of God be in their mouth and a two-edged sword in their hand to execute vengeance on the nations, punishment on the peoples, to bind their kings with chains and their nobles with fetters of iron, to execute on them the judgment written, this is the honor for all the godly ones, praise the Lord. Lord. Wow. Now, what do we know? We know a shift has happened. We know there's a principle. Psalm 149 lays a foundational principle that actually the saints, the godly ones, are to be exercising judgments in the earth. But now we move to the New Testament, and the New Testament paradigm tells us that our warfare is not with flesh and blood, but it's with the spirit realm. So we begin to take the principle of authority and the principle of judgment and victory into the spirit realm, into our prayer closet, and we begin to see things shift. If we will not do it, it will not shift. If we pray little, then there's little transportation. We can have giant faith, but with little transportation, very little gets here hello somebody isaiah fifty four seventeen i 'm trying to quit no weapon that is formed against you will prosper and every tongue that accuses you in judgment you will condemn this is the heritage of the servants of the Lord, and their vindication is from me again, I just want you to see a principle a principle is that you actually are a, you are actually are a centerpiece of judgment or right judgment in the earth in Christ in Jesus. And and if we take these kinds of things and we move move this into the macro realm, many of us know how to do this in our own lives. We know how to confront the enemy in our own lives. We know how to do this in the micro realm. But if we move it to the macro realm and we begin to pray, we begin to decree, we begin to declare, we begin to get in agreement that this this is God's America. This is God's America. This is God's America. That was eight of you. Eight of you think this is God's America. The rest of you, the devil's coming back. Stand up. We'll close in prayer. In Jesus, we are actually the judge of Satan's activity. In Jesus, we are actually the prosecuting attorney. In Jesus, we are in a partnership with him. This is why Paul says that we have a wrestling match in the spirit realm wherein we are to use the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God, and subdue the demonic realm. If we are not using the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God, to subdue the demonic realm, we're not wrestling well. Some thoughts on prayer as the band is warming up their instruments, trying to get lights onto their song sheets. It's a good moment to giggle. Prayer should be spoken. Your prayers should be fervent. They should be with faith. They should be spoken. Now, a couple of thoughts on why these kinds of prayers, prayers to cause a shift and a change in our nation, in our states, in our communities, in our government, The reason that they should be spoken is because this is you bringing forth judgments out of the throne room. This is you as the spokesperson of Jesus. This is you as the prosecuting attorney of Satan of whom God wants off the planet. How do you think, by the way, how do you think the increase of the kingdom will grow if we never get rid of more and more of the demonic realm? It can't. The increase of the kingdom, Isaiah 9, 6, and 7, it grows because believers are taking authority over the enemy. Ekbalo, you shall drive out spirits. The Greek word ekbalo, you shall kick them out. You shall kick out spirits. It doesn't mean just kick them out of your life, out of your family, out of your neighbor. It, mean, it means wherever spirits are wielding their influence in one of these mountains of society that God has ordained exist for the benefit of mankind, wherever those spirits are manifesting themselves, you, the believer, have the authority to kick them out. Ekbalo, drive them out, drive them out, drive them out, drive them out. Yes? So, God's word in your mouth is incorruptible. First Peter one twenty one. God's word in your mouth. These are not to be thought prayers. These are to be Vocal prayers. God's word is a sword against the enemy. Ephesians chapter 6. God's word in your mouth. Ephesians 6 12. God's word, I'm sorry, Ephesians 6 17. God's word in your mouth is a sword. Number three, God's word in your mouth is a seed. Luke 8 11. God's word in your mouth is a seed. It is a seed. So when you, when you declare, when you pray, when you decree, when you bring forth the desires of Father, heaven come, heaven come, heaven come, heaven come, heaven come, heaven come in our legislature, heaven come in all government, heaven come in our schools. Like Jeremiah, and there's a metaphor we can transport into the New Testament, we pluck out evil, we, count, we stand against evil in the spirit realm, and we, we plant, we plant, we plant, we speak, we agree. Planting means to deposit a seed. Well, the Word of God is seed. If you're not depositing the Word of God, you're not depositing a seed. So Luke eight eleven says the Word of God is seed, and Jeremiah 1, 6 through 8 says you're going to plant, and when you plant kingdom things, it will grow, it'll shift the nations. This is what we do. This is what we do. So therefore we have to we have to pray out loud. Isaiah 62 for Zion's sake I will not keep silent. For Zion's sake I will not keep silent. That's verse 1. Verse 6. On your walls, O Jerusalem, I've appointed watchmen. All day and all night they will never keep silent. Silent Christianity is a trick of the enemy. It is an absolute demonic scheme. Just as it was that we would give up our influence in politics if we would just sign this nonprofit acceptance. It's a trick. It's a trick to silence the church. Satan wants you silent because he knows how powerful your words are. Your words are seeds, your word is a sword. It's the word of God in you, the word of God through you. Amen. Won't you put your hands up and just receive a greater level of? A greater level of engagement in a war. We're in a war, by the way. I want to tell you that, if you didn't know that, we're in a war. Satan's playing for keeps. He wants to destroy America. I want you to lift your hands as a receiving of this assignment. And just saying even more. We've got we've got a short period on us before this election, but but ultimately we're we're not shifting. We don't it doesn't matter who wins this election. We're not shifting. We're not changing our mind. We're not changing our mind. God's Word is not changing. This nation is God's nation. This nation is God's nation. This nation is God's nation. Our Supreme Court belongs to God and God will have righteous ones in the Supreme Court. Our education system belongs to God and God will reform our education system. This nation, even as it's seen a restoration or even as it's seen a, 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 a movement, a of unrighteousness it will just assuredly see a movement and a restoration of righteousness god will god will redeem and restore this nation hands up hands up father we receive right now this ambassador this ambassador calling on our lives we receive illumination we receive downloads we receive discipline we receive zeal To make this your nation. To make this your nation. We receive hope. We receive encouragement. We receive faith. We receive life. This is your nation. These are your people. America is the diadem of the earth. She will continue to be strong. She will grow stronger. Unrighteousness will be driven out. And the righteous will prosper and flourish and grow and increase in this land. In Jesus' name, and everybody shouted.